This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Much needed victory for baseball. Jumping on the Stetson Hatters for a 6-0 first inning lead. And well, Stetson would only score six the whole game. The Bulls wrap up the 13-6 victory. It was fun getting home even though it was after midnight last night on that trip. And we'll be with the team early tomorrow. That's why we won't do a show tomorrow. We'll be leaving town pretty early to get to Memphis and bring you some baseball. In our second segment, we'll hear from the head coach of women's golf, Erica Brennan, and assistant coach Dalton Stevens, a.k.a. the other DS, who I dropped by and visited on Tuesday. Definitely wanted to hear from the coaching staff of the team that's headed to the NCAA tournament later on this weekend. Also, some stuff that's happened over the last couple days as we do not do a show on Tuesday. We figured that the softball team would get some weekly honors, and it sure did. And we can give you a little inside information on the schedule as far as softball goes for the conference tournament. I was in the offices yesterday before heading on the bus with baseball, and my desk happens to be right there where the folks that answer any of your ticketing questions and sell season tickets and sell single-game tickets are doing their trades, and there was a lot of buzz on the phones because if you missed it, just a couple days ago, it was announced that single-game tickets are available to be purchased now for the upcoming USF football season. That includes the Alabama game. Yes, they're a little bit more pricey, say, for example, than the Florida A&M game. But, hey, if you want to go ahead and lock up your spot in that stadium for that Alabama game in any of the games, you can do it right now. Of course, the home schedule begins in week two against Florida A&M. That's September the 9th. September the 16th against Alabama, the home opener the following weekend against Rice. So it is a home-heavy first month of the season. Bulls also host two other Owls, October the 14th against FAU is homecoming. Temple is November the 11th. They will be away from home for an entire month. And then the season finale against, so weird to not say that other team, it is Charlotte coming to Raymond James Stadium on Saturday, November the 25th. 1-800-GO-BULLS if you want to chat with my friends, or you can head to the website, USFBullsTicks. So while there was a lot of activity on the phones, there was not as much activity in the parking lot as it's hard to believe that the school year is coming to an end with exams week. In fact, the graduation brunch was held on Monday morning. Nice article up at GoUSFBulls.com on the 59 student-athletes scheduled to graduate in this spring. And yeah, it's almost done. It's kind of crazy. Some of the names on there are student-athletes that we've become so familiar with and yeah, I knew that they were moving on to other places, but this is going to be it. Someone like Brad Cecil, who is going to try and latch on with the Detroit Lions. A lot of names, a lot of familiar names. Some of my friends from soccer and all the sports, really, of course, women's basketball. And some of them are coming back, but a lot are not. One of the names on that list, and we figured would be on the weekly honors list for the AAC, is Vivian Pond. She was actually the player of the week, and I love when they do this. They did it for baseball a couple weeks back when... Peyton Tolley of Wichita State had 10 strikeouts in a two-hit shutout of East Carolina, but they wanted to honor one of his teammates, so they made Tolley actually the player of the week because he also drove in several runs. Well, Vivian Pond was the player of the week as she truly did it all for the Bulls in their three-game sweep of Memphis, pitching in every game, and the first one was probably the least pressure situation because Gabriella Nori had pitched the first five innings, and it was a 5 nothing game, and Pond sort of finished off. Oh, by the way, she'd also hit a three-run homer in that one. But the second contest, and this is the one that we had the action on Sunday morning early, she was thrust into the situation quickly, 
as it was one nothing Bulls. Remember, the wind was howling out. It was the third inning, and Jaden Martinez had two pitches really lined hard against her. So second and third, nobody out. Vivian Pond comes in to try and minimize the damage, and she did it quickly. 2-0 to her, and she lines it right to Vivian Pond on the ground. Easy throw over to Jordan Caleb at first base, and so Vivian Pond comes in to a second and third nobody out situation and manages to keep Memphis off the board. The Tigers have yet to score still this weekend. Now on all of her statistics that landed Vivian Pond as the player of the week in the conference, one that's not in there is this play, which to me is, of course, not going to jump into the stat book and blow you away, but how impressive was this as after that, here comes bottom of the third inning. Kathy Garcia walks, and then Megan Sheehan singles sharply up the middle, and you're thinking, all right, Pond, three-run homer yesterday, or two days ago, actually, and here comes another opportunity. This, to me, was quite as impressive as a three-run homer, but in its own way, very impressive. Vivian squares to bunt. Wow, that is really uh, sacrificing yourself in every which way. Gotta love that from Vivian Pond. And it was a perfect bunt, something that she is not asked very often to do and the Bulls would get both of those runners across on the Emma Humplick near three-run homer, ended up being a double. In the game, she would come back up later on and single, and then in the finale, again, coming out of the pen, by the way, in the second game, she only got those three outs and then turned it over to Peyton Dixon, which in its own right was a big story. But in the series finale, the 5 nothing win, Palm was added again with a home run and getting the save, going the final inning in two-thirds, 5 nothing. why was it a save? Because when she entered, it was just 2 nothing with the runner on first base. So, deservingly so, Vivian Pond is the AAC Player of the Week for both sides of things. Going 5 for 7 at the plate, 2 home runs, driving in 5, and 4 and a third innings, no walks, and getting the save. And again, appearing out of the pen in all three games. Gabriella Nori, meanwhile, for throwing 2 shutouts, 10 and a third innings total, gets an inclusion on the AAC Weekly Honor Roll. The Bulls are in third place by themselves with a full three-game lead on Houston and Tulsa. So right now it really is setting up pretty clearly for the conference tournament. I said we can give you some schedule intel here. Wichita State has wrapped up the number one seed, and UCF has wrapped up the two seed. Bulls are three games behind the Knights, but they got swept by them, so UCF is the two seed. The Bulls just need one win against Houston to wrap up number three, obviously. The Cougars are three games behind them, and if Houston were to perish the thought, sweep the Bulls this weekend, they would be the number four seed, but let's not vote for that. So as it stands right now, it is pretty clear it is going to be Wichita 1, UCF 2, USF 3, then Tulsa and Houston are going to be your 4-5 game, and East Carolina right now stands as the sixth seed with Memphis as the seven. On Tuesday, the conference actually, and I was kind of waiting for this, announced the game times for the conference tournament. I knew that the championship game on Saturday, this is next Saturday, so we are getting down to it, will be 11 a.m. for ESPN2. Actually, 11 a.m. is when things are scheduled to start next Thursday. And I'm pretty sure, as I said on Twitter, with a fan that everything is a little bit early. I know people would prefer night games, but if you schedule night games and they get weather delayed, you're going to have teams either playing after midnight or having to play two games in one day in a conference tournament, which is not preferable. And that's why these games are scheduled earlier, because, you know, Tampa in the middle of May. And I know that you could have a game that's in the afternoon get delayed due to the weather, but 
in this case, you would at least have a chance to make it up for the day's end. Now, we're giving you all the possibilities, but technically the Bulls could play at any time. The first three game time windows next Thursday, they are at 11 a.m., 2, and 5 p.m. The 4-5 game is at 11 a.m. Right now, that's Houston and Tulsa. Of course, the Bulls could, if they slip up, end up in that game. But right now, they would slate for that three-seed versus six-seed game, which is next Thursday at 2 o'clock. Dot, dot, dot. The home team gets the option each day to flex into the last game, which means they could play next Thursday at 5. So by seed where they stand, Thursday at 2, if they choose to flex, they would go into that 5 o'clock game. And obviously, we'll give you more concrete details next Monday when everything is actually official. Then next Friday, the semifinals are at noon and 2.30. Wichita would play the 4-5 winner in the first game. And then, yes, potentially the War and I-4 in the semifinals and again the championship next Saturday at 11 a.m. Yours truly will be on the microphone for all of the Bulls games. Who knows, maybe I'll even take a flyer and call another game or two, but definitely whatever the Bulls do, we'll have it for you. We'll be in Memphis this weekend with baseball and hoping to keep going what they had going last night, as you know. Well, first of all, the baseball team definitely has to win the conference tournament. They've fallen into sixth place. And by the way, we end the hour going around the American. There was a lot that happened last night. Also, the NCAA tournament bracket is out for men's and women's tennis, and a handful of conference teams are still going when it comes to that. But as far as baseball goes, the Bulls got swept by Cincinnati at one point. After winning their first two series, they were tied for first. Now they are not only in the bottom half of the standings, but they are two games separated from fourth place, which is Cincinnati right now. But... The Bulls just, I think, needed to get away, needed to have something good happen. And all of that happened for them in one big-time inning. Just to acknowledge, Stetson went with a little-used pitcher, sat its captain and catcher, Kristen Pregent, who leads them in homers with nine, and their table setter and center fielder, Cam Hill. So they were resting up, but do you think that mattered to the Bulls? As it was a rarely-used starter, a freshman, Simone Lusignon from Quebec, for Stetson and he kept laying in fastballs and the Bulls had no issues when he was able to control the fastball he wasn't at the beginning as Bobby Bozer walked and then Daniel Cantu was hit by a pitch and the next three guys also got on one got a nice trip around the base paths as the Bulls jumped ahead big time and we will observe the pen it might be active a little bit more early than Stetson had planned. This guy keeps up, and that one goes through the middle. That will be an RBI single for Snow. Both Desiro at second and Miola at short had a look at it, but the Bulls grab the early lead on the liner right up the middle from the freshman, Eric Snow. Oh, Brutcher lines that ball, and it's with the win, and that's a good spot to be in. Is it's going to hit near the wall? One run will score. In fact, Snow does have to hold up at third. Brutcher is in with an RBI double. And just like that, it's a two-run lead for the Bulls. And trying to add to this 2-0 Bulls lead. Oh, that will do the trick. At least one, if not more. Deep to right field. Going back on it is a center fielder. And that one sails out of here. Rafael Betancourt bombs his third home run. And the Bulls have a five spot here in the first. That's Stetson. Talk about what they needed. And it is... All sorts of feel good right now. They would actually chase their starting pitcher after Bobby Bozer's second at-bat of the inning, an RBI single, and it was 6 to nothing Bulls. And then Boogie Brown, who, of course, has been the Friday night starter, had a shoulder injury. Remember a few weeks back against Houston, he slipped off the mound, felt something as below dipped down, and we were concerned it might be 
pretty long term. Who knows how and what role he'll serve for the Bulls the rest of the year. But last night was given a chance, and obviously in a low-pressure situation, but couldn't find the strike zone. Walked their leadoff man, hit Johan Desaro, who, by the way, came in recently in one game, getting hit three times for a total of 19 for the season, which put him tied for six in the country. And he got hit three times last night. Now we got to mention Johan Desaro, who was plunked by the first pitch he saw, had a game last week where he... Blasted two home runs in the opener against Liberty, a 7-0 win. Didn't get another hit the rest of the series, but had a game where he was hit three times and scored twice. Now he's evened at 2-2. Two and two. Oh. He must have a magnet in that jersey. I mean, that was a fastball that just, it's almost like there's some sort of force field, and it's drawing you to throw the ball at him because you and I, would have been hit easily by both of the offerings that plunked Mr. Desaro in this game. And then a four-pitch walk, and so it was not a good start. In fact, the Bulls caught a break when their outstanding freshman Landon Moran hit a ball deep to straightaway center, and if it was two outs, it would have cleared the bases. But Bobby Bozer looked like he had a play on it, so everyone held up, and it just turned out to be a one-run single. And he does, and he drills it deep to center field. Bozer gets a late jump, and it goes over his head. And this, well, they had to hold up the base runners. That is only going to score one. Wow. Six to one was the score, and that was it for Brown. 13 pitches, only three strikes. So here comes Justin Jackson, and he walks a man with the bases loaded, and it's six to two, and nobody's out. And you are thinking, goodness, what's going to happen here? But... He gets a couple of strikeouts in and around a sack fly, and the damage was kept to 6-3. to three. Then, ultimately, the game did speed up. The Bulls had to face a little bit tougher pitching and didn't get anything going until the fourth inning. Meanwhile, Jackson got a nice double play ball in the bottom of the third. He calmed things down, and then after the Bulls, again, walked a couple times with Snow and Brutcher in the fourth, they started scoring once again. One and one. Oh, lined through the left side of the infield. That was dynamite, and Snow was going to get waved around. Bermudez comes up with a weak throw, and the Bulls have added back to their lead. Rafael Betancourt with his fourth rib of the night. Drops down a bunt, and that's a squeeze, and it's going to work out. An RBI sacrifice bunt. Misplayed it. Third, they may call it an error, they may not, but a true squeeze bunt, and Brutcher comes home. Sankovic basically, with Brutcher taken off, had to get the ball down and popped it up, but it was well out of the grasp of the charging third baseman who was going to try wires and scoop it home if he could get to it, but he couldn't get to it. At least his glove couldn't get to it. His body did. Looking to drive one if he can. Here's the 0-2 pitch and lines it the other way. That's going to land fair, I think, and it bloops in. Absolutely it does. Good read by Betancourt. He will come on around, and Monke gets a bloop RBI double. And it's 9-3. Sankovic, who had come off a couple of 0-5 games and was on the bench on Sunday. Good to see him have something positive happen. He needed that, even though he would go 0-5 in this game. Helped keep that inning going, 9-3. Then, Bobby Bozer, who has sort of separated himself in the team home run lead. It'll be his fourth at bat. Never a bad thing for the fifth inning. Oh, man, he gets underneath that one, and I think he got enough of it. To the wall, and gone! Bobby Bozer golfed that ball out of here. He cranks his 13th home run of the season. 
And the Bulls have a 10 spot. It's 10 to 3. It was back and forth between he and DC Daniel Cantu for a bit. Meanwhile, Daniel, after going 1 for 11 last weekend, did not get a hit last night, struck out a few times. So there are a couple players that are trying to get out of things, and I think DC will be just fine. But Bozer right now is really taking off at the top of the order. Well, after a rough weekend, Nolan Hootie, speaking of getting out of things, this was when the game could have gone in a different direction. Again, 10 to 3. But Stetson recently, last weekend, remember they had won six in a row. They were down 7 nothing in a game they won. They were down 4 nothing in a pre-designed seven-inning game. They were down 4 nothing going into the bottom of the six and scored five to win. And recently, were down 3-1 to one at Central Arkansas in the ninth inning and tied it with two homers. So when they were starting to pound the ball against Justin Jackson, actually we had that example of the first inning run where a ball went to the wall and was just an RBI single. Well, in this case... A crushed double, a crushed triple, and a tapper single made it 10-5. to And then the fourth hit of the inning was a double that would have scored anybody else but their 240-pound DH, Trey Harmon. So it was second and third with two outs, and in comes Nolan Hootie. The number eight hitter, Drew Wires. Hootie delivers to him one and two. Curveball swung on and missed. Strike three. Hootie gives it a little glove clap. That meant a lot to him for sure. So the... Hatterstroke, four hits. Three of them hit very, very hard, but they only score two runs in the frame. No errors, and they leave two on base. That was a big escape. Wouldn't quite call it Houdini because it wasn't of his own making, but that's his nickname, and we'll take what he just did right there. That was the beginning, in my opinion, from a pitching perspective. Jackson goes four and two-thirds. That is a career high. Hootie goes two and a third, so you had your two lefties combined for seven of your nine innings pitch. The Bulls didn't mess around at the end. They threw Riley Skeen, their closer, to get out of there quickly, as they did in the ninth inning. They added a run on Drew Butcher's third hit in the seventh. March of 21, when he hit homers in three straight games against these Hatters, and he lines that ball. Oh, just over Desiro. What an effort at second base, and Luther with his speed. No way they're going to get him. Well hit ball by Drew Butcher. His third hit of the night. And the Bulls make it 11-6. I mean, Brutcher finally got a pitch that was right down the heart and destroyed it. I mean, he is swinging the bat tonight. In that inning, Jackson may have walked, pinch hitting for Eric Snow, who on that very first RBI single was clutching his left knee. Now he played plenty of time, but we'll keep an eye on that moving forward. Top of the eighth, the Bulls took advantage of some wildness on the other side with a couple of bases loaded walks. It was the first thing that... Assistant coach Bo Durkak noted on the bus looking at the box score all the walks that the Bulls took in this game, 11 of them in all. Now, they did strike out 14 times, but 11 walks, 11 hits, you'll take. Brutcher with three of the hits, Raphael Betancourt, career high four RBI. Bobby Bozer, two walks, two hits, a homer and three RBI. It was a good day up and down, and John Montez saw a long hitless streak end with a ball that just got past the second baseman's glove. Oh, Montez lines to get through the right side. Second baseman is able to get to it, but Montez is going to reach base. Give him a hit. And he just gave it a big, exaggerated clap, like, finally, I got a break. That should be a hit. And I know that the scorekeepers here don't know or care about John Montez's extended slump situation, but either way, they give him a hit, and I think that's wonderful. You'll take it no matter how you can get at the Bulls. Still 10 games below 500, but feeling better. After the 13-6 win, retakes the lead in the overall series. Those teams, believe it or not, have now played 181 times, and it's 91-90 Bulls. Who head to Memphis tomorrow? I'll be taking the trip with the team so we can bring you the weekend action. Bulls 18-28. and 28. 
launching back into conference play. Memphis actually had a very impressive showing last night, too. We'll end the hour with details as we go around the American. But next, right here, women's golf coach Erica Brennan and assistant Dalton Stevens, whose team is headed to the NCAA tournament. Stay tuned for that. 